Everybody wants to play a bigger part. This is day one. This is day one. Everybody's wondering what we are at heart. This is day one. This is day one. Everybody wants to play a bigger part. Why are you waiting for tomorrow to start? This is day one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the This Is Day One Leadership Podcast. And today is literally the day one of the This Is Day One Leadership Podcast. It's our first ever episode. I want to welcome my first ever guest, Mr. Jordan Ixani. Welcome to the podcast, my good man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, I met Jordan at uh, as a result of TEDx Toronto, and I, I've been tr- trying to figure out how to to do this particular section. So maybe I'd ask you this question because we're learning how, as we go on this one. So Jordan, tell us the story of why you figure you're probably on the podcast. Uh, probably not just because I'm a stand-up guy, right? No. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say there's lots of stand-up guys out there, but let's be honest. Sometimes All right, let's we, be honest. Let's... Um, I uh, So I, I think I am probably most publicly known uh, for accidentally creating what has become uh, and what is regarded by public relations professionals as the most viral human interest story in the history of the internet, which was the the story of me giving away an extra plane ticket for a trip around the world uh, in November and December of 2014. Um, the only catch was it was in the name of my, my previous partner. I'd purchased the trip as a Christmas present to the two of us. We split up and uh, on a dare from some friends, uh, they encouraged me to give away the extra ticket um, as a way to pay it forward. Not romantically, not trying to replace my, my ex, uh, but it blew up. The story went viral in its truest sense, and, um, and life hasn't been quite the same since. Now, what's the most significant ways that life has changed since this happened? Oh, boy. Um, I think not, the, not at all the ways I would have expected when this, when this started. I mean... You know, it, there was a there was the Hollywood entertainment cyclone for a while, so that changed things on an aesthetic level for a little bit. You know, all of a sudden, I was going from this random guy in Toronto to, you know, having two TV development deals with major networks, right? And so that you know, those sorts of things, all of a sudden, you have a very different sense of self. But um, all that stuff, I realized, was just nonsense and total BS. The real difference is uh, this experience of going viral and blowing up has really changed entirely how I think about who I am, uh, what I want to do, uh, what's important to me, um, and uh, has really put me on a, a much more authentic trajectory of the things I work on now. Um, and that is so not what I would have said even six months ago. I would have given you the press release version saying, oh, we're working on a TV show and a book and a charity and we're doing all this great stuff. No, the reality is that I'm in a position now where everything is entirely different in how I understand my own world um, which, as I'll sort of explain a little bit more as we go through this, has really changed and brought in the things that matter so much more closely to me. And let, let's talk about that because I'm hosting TEDx Toronto, and they give me the list of people that we're going to be interviewing. And I interview all of you ahead of time. And so I see, oh, okay, it's that guy. You know, we saw him on Reddit. You saw him on Facebook. The dude who, you know, put out into the into the ether, hey, if you got this name, I'll take you around the world. And I figured, you know, when I talked to you, who knows what you're going to talk about, but you're going to say, okay, my talk is about all the ways that I grew on this trip and go out there. And and then I talk to you and talk about why you decided to chat about what you did at the TEDx Toronto talk, because it really has 
turned into what you're doing now, if, yep. if I'm not incorrect about that. Yep. Um, I, I think the, the, the conversation really started with me lying to myself about where I was inferring value from the viral experience. So like I just said, you know, for a long time I, I was sending out the press release version, focusing on all the cool things I could do now that I couldn't before. And as a way, I think I was trying to convince myself that that was the authentic version of me and that this was the realization of my potential. Um, and then I realized early on, just after I'd been selected to speak at TED, in working with you and with a couple of the different speaking coaches, um, that everything I was saying was total BS and that I was miserable and that I was alone and so scared of what to do with this thing. And more importantly, that I actually resented the story that got me into that position a great deal. Um, and I think the reason was, if we're being very honest, was that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's this quote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up, but it spoke to me so much on this level that one of the biggest dangers I think we can have when we go out in the world is succeeding at something that we don't want to succeed at because then it forms this new basis for our reality and something that we didn't really want to begin with. And then all of a sudden we sort of adopt it as our identity because we're like, well, this is working, so clearly I should just play to this. And I think I was doing that for a while and it led me into this guy that was very media hungry, um, very opportunistic, very self-serving. And frankly, I, I started to hate myself because of all this. Um, and what that, where that conversation ultimately went was for me to question my sense of purpose as an individual and more importantly, the emphasis that I was putting on this idea that I had to have it all figured out. You know, I kind of figured after having the world's attention, literally for a little bit, that I thought that this meant that everything would be clear around me. And I realized through the process of preparing for my TED talk that that was far from true and that it only opened up far more insecurities and vulnerabilities and, and questions about who I am, but also about who everyone is and, and what we're all trying to do. Um, so that is a very roundabout answer. Well, but I, suffice to say, that's changed the worldview entirely, lining your right to everything that I do today. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because going into any TED event, you always think, you know, you have a kind of a general idea of what each talk's gonna be about. They promote certain things. And what I found interesting is as soon as I spoke to you, I knew right away, I said, okay, this is the talk at this particular event. And I'm going to link to it here on the podcast as well so that people can go and watch. And I, I highly recommend that you do. But I said, this is the one that is going to be totally different than what everybody expects. And you came out in the middle of the talk and said something that I was like, okay, this is going to make a lot of people, especially those who bought into it hardcore, sort of be like, well, I don't know if I like this talk, when you said, you know, maybe our purpose in life is to not have a purpose. Yeah. Like this idea that it, go, it so goes counterintuitive to all kinds of self-help and all kinds of self-realization ideas that, no, like, don't have a purpose. Don't search for a purpose. As a matter of fact, what's the phrase you actually use? It's the great, like, the great uh, tragedy of our time. Oh, I, I say that uh, faking our purpose is the greatest crisis of our generation. Um, and why I say that is, is very simply that I think one of the things that we struggle with most in, it, it, this is largely specific to developed societies, just to be clear, developed cultures, I should say. Um, but one of the things I think we struggle with most is, is being real with ourselves. And I think if you have a generation or many generations of people that are kind of lying to themselves about who they really are and trying to find importance and amplifying and posturing and, and bullshitting themselves, I think that is a huge generational crisis. 
And you're right, that line did make many people uncomfortable. And the first time, before I said that line, when I, the first time that I said in it, you know, maybe our purpose is to have no purpose, uh, like there was this awkward sort of half laugh that came from the audience. I don't know if you caught that on the side of the stage yeah. there, but people were kind of like, like, what? Like maybe our purpose is to have no purpose? Like what is this guy smoking? But then I went through and, and, and dissected that statement. And by the end of it, you know, when I got into the hall, like people were coming up to me in tears, just saying like, oh my God, I'd struggled with this thing for so long and I always thought I had to live this way. And I'm so glad I'm not alone. Well, that's, you know, it's something I've often, I said it to someone earlier today, when you talk about the gift that is getting to convey ideas to other people, is that one of the greatest things you can do is not to make people say, oh my God, I didn't know that. One of the greatest things you can do is to make someone say, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. Like I thought I was the only one afraid of that or who needed that or uh, who loved that, you know, who was scared by that. And so there's a real power that comes. People go on stage or try to be leaders that make people inspired or make them seem smart. And honestly, I think, no, the greatest thing you can do is to tell people they're not alone. Yeah. And, And it's... It's that journey, this idea that, and I really do encourage people to check out the talk. You can dive into what, what Jordan's working on. We'll get to it a little later as well. But it was that idea that you've had to look a lot more at this entire like thing that turned your life upside down mm-hmm. has made you look a lot more at who you are and what you want. Like Once you realize you, you hate yourself, you start saying, well, why is that and what can I do? And, and that's a big part of this podcast is to start asking people who are trying, who have, have made a real conscious effort to identify what it is that drives them to start trying to share some of that with, with other people. So let's go into the uh, the main thrust of the This Is Day One podcast. Sure. Let's take you back to day one. And the whole premise is, let's imagine that uh, there's a, the world goes through a great reset. Like every title, every bank account, every bit of prestige and respect that's been handed out in the world that stratified it in the way that it is. There's a great big reset in this world and all those things are taken away. So we're all basically at the same starting line. And from this day one forward at the day one after the reset, all of us get the opportunity to build ourselves into the person that we want to be from this day forward. And while all the money and respect and prestige and titles have been taken away, the things that we learned along the way, we still got them. We still got the knowledge of what made us happy, what made others happy, what worked for us in terms of interpersonal interactions. So from this day forward, you got one one task. It's to, it's to be a leader. And that is, you get to start building that from this moment forward. So let's go back to day one. Let's imagine this happened on your first day of high school. We like to pick this as day one. It's arbitrary, I know, but <laughs> let's imagine like that it. you can go back and remember that first day of high school. It's... Uh, if you could go back and say to that that guy, that version of Jordan on the first day of high school, what? here's one question. First of all, let me ask you this. What are five things about the world and living in it that you have learned that you would like to pass on to that per- version of you on day one? If he's got that new mission that for the rest of your life, you got to start acting like a leader, you got to get the most out of this. What five lessons that you've picked up about the world would you pass on to that guy? Ooh. Okay, very simply, I would say, number one, never settle. And that doesn't mean never settle at all, but it it means have a certain standard of the things that you're willing to accept, not from others, but from yourself. Because I think it's really easy to get complacent. So that's kind of, to me, that's kind of the precursor when we talk about knowledge transfer and passing things on. The second would be um, learn to love imperfection. Don't learn to accept it, learn to love it. Because that is 
the vast majority, if not all of our lives, all of the time. And I think in my own journey, I think I've often felt very scared when I didn't have something totally figured out mm -hmm. or I didn't think I was going to be able to make the perfect decision. It took a lot of years and a lot of failures and some successes too to realize that, you know, we never really know. Um, invest in relationships, first and foremost. Um, I was out for lunch even today with a, a wonderful friend of mine. And I said to him, I said, you know, one of my biggest regrets of the last five years is that I feel like at certain points in time, I haven't invested enough in the very human relationships that I have around me because I, I, I've met so many incredible people on, in the different elements of my life as we all have. And what I've realized is that the projects change, you know, the companies change, the charity changes, the, the initiative, whatever it is, but the people don't. And the people are always there. And so relationships first. Um, I think relating to a conversation that Drew, you and I had recently, I think the fourth point would be um, put yourself first because if you're going to ever try to impact others in a true way and really touch people's lives, um, you need to be able to love yourself first. You really do. And you need to be able to, um, to honor who you are. And I think the last one... Can, can I just ask you yeah, something yeah, before yeah, you sure, that you're going to get, I've often had people get pushed back because I yeah. talk about this too. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before about, you know, I just had to give a speech on selfless leadership and mm -hmm. realize that my keynote's three quarters about self, right? Yeah. About like identifying your own values and moving forward. So can you put yourself first and still be a leader that's all about other people? Like that, that is a selfless leader. Yeah, I think you have to. I think, I think when you look at the great leaders of our time, I think they were actually masterful at putting themselves first because they didn't do... I, this is where it gets a little muddled, but they didn't do it in a way where it was self-serving. And there's, there's a, the interesting distinction here. I think if you're putting yourself first for your own personal gain, I think that's one thing. Um, and that's what we shouldn't necessarily do. But if you're putting yourself first so that you can be able to lead effectively and be able to understand and honor who you are, then that makes you such a better leader in, in so many different areas. So it's a little convoluted, and I think it goes a lot into the values discussion that you often talk about in your own work, Drew, um, where if you're living by certain values and in your own day-to-day -day life, then ultimately those values are things that you do in your own life first, and they go outwards and they touch other people. So I think that's how we have to think about it a little bit. Um, I think often, you know, I think we talk about ourselves and our own personal development in the wrong way sometimes, in a way that's a little uh, where it becomes more... A little bit more murky, you know. I think I think I think we often, when we think of self-help, for instance, you know, a lot of people get uncomfortable because I think a lot of the self-help uh, materials that we read are often really about how do we manipulate a situation to get what we want from ourselves or others, and that's not the question we should be asking at all. What we should really be asking is how can we really understand who we are and be true to that, so that we can have closer relationships with others. Ah, it's, yeah, because I find that. Like there's so much focus on being, and I, I don't say that any of this is wrong, but be empathetic mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and give. And I mean, a lot of my work is, is is add value, try to create these powerful interpersonal connections. But it's I'm I'm so it's so interesting that I heard you say that one of the things is like put yourself first, because I I think a lot of people get the idea that if you spend time worrying about yourself, then you're not a good leader. 
because you're being selfish. And, and I think I agree with you in the sentiment that you can't give to others if there's nothing in you. And, yeah. and I think so. It's There's a difference between putting yourself first and being self-centered. I think I like what you said well, there. Well, exactly. I think what I learned this lesson in a very hard way when the viral story first came up. One of the, one of the first things that I did within the first two days was set up a, a structure that would allow us to develop a charity. Because I figured, we, I, I kind of knew that we were going to have the world's attention for a little bit. Um, so I figured, why don't we try to do a charitable initiative and, and pay it forward a little bit more and do some good. In doing that though, what I was really thinking in the back of my mind, if I'm being very honest, and I, I didn't know this at the time, but I know this now, was I wasn't for a second asking, you know, how can this, how can this story, this opportunity make me more fulfilled and happier as a person for who I am? Rather, I said, how could this, how could I, how could this story be used in such a way that would inflate me, right? That would build me into something so much bigger than I am. I think one of those lines was from the TED talk, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting dissection between these two concepts. If I just simply said, this very bizarre thing is happening, how can I channel it in a way that would make me happier as a person? I think I would have had a far more positive impact as a leader on others. And why do you think it was that was the initial, like the first thing you think is how can I, like are we trained to do that? Do you think like is it an instinct to sort of be like, oh, don't make this about how I can be better. Make this about how I can, I don't know, if profits off. It's the right word because I'm sure you've gotten people who just assume that about you before they meet you. They're like, oh, this is a guy who, who's just trying to make the most out of, oh, out yeah. of this viral story. Yeah. Oh, I get accused. And people ask me all the time, like, did you did you invent it? Like, was this was this a whole sham? You know, why were you such an opportunistic jackass? <laughs> I, I get all sorts of things, but I I think we are in part. I think I think. A lot of the, a lot of what we believe about ourselves, when is that when, I think we all. Uh, let me back up. I think we all intuitively kind of feel like, you know, at some point in time we're going to have a moment to shine, and the question is, what are you going to do with that moment? And you see it in different ways all the time. You know, I have lots of friends that are musicians. They get a big record deal, and all of a sudden they're somebody. I have other friends in business that do a big deal and get a big promotion, all of a sudden they're somebody. And we all kind of, I think, often wait a lot for these moments in time. And then when it happens, it's going on around you. And I think the first instinct is, what can I do to cheat death? Um, so what I mean by that is, I, I'm getting into political philosophy a little bit, or I'm about to, but. Uh, in my undergrad, we talked a lot about uh, uh, different elements of political philosophy, and what a number of different authors have argued over the years is that you know the primary role of politicians is to cheat death, like because they're trying to have an impact that makes them legends, right? And, th and that's why you know I think that's a lot of the reason why people get involved in politics generally. I think it's a little self-serving, but I think we have this cultural tendency to want to be legends, and I think we make choices in our everyday lives that we hope and pray will somehow mean that we have this enduring impact long after we're gone. And it means that in the moment, you're actually making very scary decisions. So I think, to be very honest, I think when the story was blowing up, I was looking at it and saying, okay, I understand that this is a viral story. I understand that this is only gonna be around for a certain point in time. So how can I do something that will extend my impact far beyond this story, really? And okay. where I probably should have just thought is how can I how can I just accept this moment as this very bizarre situation and accept it for what it is? 
And sure, maybe build something, but not look at it as a way to build some sort of enduring charitable empire. Like, here's my chance. Like, yeah. I've been waiting my whole life yeah. for that moment to shine, and, and now here it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's tough to, tough to resist that moment, too, because you think you'll never get it again. Like, opportunity of knocks course. but once. Right? Of course. And we'll talk a little later yeah, about yeah. these annoying, like, one-line quotations that people then start using to run their lives, and half of them aren't are really good ideas. So, so I, I cut you off after four. Okay. What's, what's the fifth thing that you, that you teach the, yourself on day one? I think uh, the fifth, and this is, I think this fits in together, and I will pick up this again in one of your questions later, I think, if I'm looking into my crystal ball. But um, the three factors that matter most in life, as I've learned, is trust, honesty, and loyalty. And I wish I knew that on day one of high school. I really wish I understood how important loyalty is in every relationship, how trust and the idea of trusting yourselves and others changes everything, um, and simply what honesty really means, too. I, I, all these, obviously, these five things have all sort of intertwined in an interesting way. But I think the point is, is you know, if I'm to go back to my day one, I, the things that I didn't understand for so long was that the most power that anyone has as a leader is to really, truly be able to appreciate what the talents that they have been given, appreciate how to embrace them with a, with a high degree of authenticity, and also to develop a set of standards of what you're willing to accept in the world and what you're not willing to accept. And I think if you can do those things, then all of a sudden, everything seems like it's, there's no, Challenges that you face every day seem a lot more straightforward and simple if you have that framework behind you. And for years, and I, true, I mean years, I felt so lost without knowing those things. Because you just sort of scramble, right? And then you don't know how to act in the moment. Then you don't know what to do and you feel lost. But the, it's those sorts of groundings that if you can really truly internalize, um, I've learned it just makes every moment so much richer. Now, the three of them, honesty, trust, Trust and loyalty and loyalty. So this is a question I, I often ask. Someone walks up to you and they say, I've never I've never heard the word honesty before. It's not in my language. It's a highly intelligent person. But they're like that that word simply doesn't exist. How, explain it to me in the simplest English terms possible. So you said, you know, what does honesty really mean a couple of minutes ago? Yeah. What does honesty really mean? Well, I think I think just like anything else, I think um I think we, it's easy to go with a superficial kind of understanding. Oh, well, it's telling the truth. Sure, but I think, I think honesty, if I'm to explain it without using the word honest, um, I think it's the idea that you accept others and you accept yourself and you accept the world for what it is. Really? Yeah. So it's not about putting information out into the world. It's about accepting the information that's presented to you? Yeah, that's, that's how I often think about it. Because, I mean, if you can accept the, the things that are presented to you, then it means that in turn that you are broadcasting what would be quote-unquote honest as well. So I think it, it, all these things go two, three, four different ways. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that, I think that's the one thing that, that has been missing. And, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I grew up in the generation where, um, you know, after school we would run home and get on MSN Messenger or ICQ as quickly as possible so we can message our friends. Like we, you know, I grew up in this generation of people that were 
you know, uh, you know, pontificating assholes like long before they ever had the right to be. Uh, where again, where we where we were trying to uh, really exaggerate our sense of self. And one of the biggest lessons for me, year over year over year, has been how can I get closer just to accept things for what they are in myself and in others, and and the world for that matter too. Um, and again, it really hasn't been in fairness. It hasn't been until this whole viral situation over the last 18 months that I've really started to realize the, the last part of that, of how can I accept honesty in the world? And you just said perfectly true. Like we, we often think that you know, we're gonna have our one moment to shine, or we're gonna have their one chance. But if you look at the world from an approach of honesty and just accepting what is, you accept that you don't really know what, what, what will be next. And the second that you accept that, and that you accept the sheer complexity of the world, you are free from yourself. Now, because a big part of what I, I want to do with the day one concept is really dive into what values drive people and what they mean. So let me let me follow up with the other two. You talked about what honesty meant, and you said loyalty and trust. So how about loyalty? If someone put you on the spot and said, okay, we lose that word a lot, mm-hmm. what does it mean? How would you explain it to someone? Hmm. I would say that loyalty loyalty in many ways and i'm going to i'm going to borrow this from our conversation not too long ago Drew, but i i think cuz there there's a word that's replaying in my mind that you said i think loyalty is about consistency ah right i think i think that's really what it is and i think we can look at that again in ourselves our relationships and what we do professionally or anything else i think this idea of loyalty is the idea um at its core that no matter what, that we're going to be this reliable entity. Um, you know, one of my, one of my mentors often, often sort of laughs at how his employees, um, he's the CEO of a great tech startup, he has a, he has a big team in Chicago, and um, he often, he often uh, jokes how you know, his team will often go to him and know that he is like the North Star no matter what. And it doesn't matter what mood or temperament or anything that he's in, it's just he's always very objective. And because of that, he's always very reliable with his decision making and his feelings on a matter, personal, professional, whatever. And I, I've often looked at that as kind of the ultimate symbol of loyalty because A, he always makes himself available to be there. But B, you know that what you're gonna get from that interaction is always aimed in a way that is not self-serving, but just really honest to the situation. The three go together, so trust, honesty, and loyalty play in together a lot. But I think, I think it goes back to this idea of consistency. And something that you said once upon a time, too, is that uh, if you want to be great at anything, you have to be consistent first. Well, it's interesting because when people hear loyalty, usually your brain goes to, and maybe it's the images of the Marines or whatever, but usually goes to interpersonal and you, you, the what you just looked at there was saying that loyalty is really about not loyalty to other people, but loyalty to a set of principles, which is sort of maybe a different way of looking at it. Or mm-hmm. am I wrong about what you just said there? No, no, I think that's exactly right, actually. Um, yeah, that's you're really good at bringing everything down to its most granular form. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll keep getting better at it. <laughs> no, but that, that's exactly it. It's, it's loyalty. It's loyalty to a certain sense of principle, set of principles, or maybe it's loyalty to a worldview. Mm-hmm. It can mean loyalty to um, different relationships in your life, or your obligation to a career, or whatever the path may be. But I think I think a lot of these words, trust, honesty, and loyalty. I mean, I think they get thrown around a lot, and we develop these funny connotations based upon the different things we encounter in our life. You know, there there may be someone listening that th- hears the word loyalty and immediately thinks of 
a romantic relationship. Yeah. Right? Whereas these concepts have much greater meaning if you extrapolate them a little bit more. Which is why I love talking about them. That's why I'm so excited about talking to people like you and, and moving ahead with the podcast is like actually let's take a minute and not just throw them around. Because we, we use them not only to evaluate ourselves, but to judge other people. That person doesn't have loyalty, doesn't have honesty. So we've talked honesty. We've talked loyalty. Trust. Trust. Trust is a hard one. Um, okay. Let's, 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 so let's dissect this for a second. So loyalty is about consistency. Honesty is about accepting what is. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think trust is about showing up. Really? Expand yeah. on that, would you? So one of the things that I've learned in a variety of different careers is that part of what gives you legitimacy in any sort of relationship is the fact that you will show up. And that can mean physically you will show up. You know, I'm working on a, a deal right now with a gentleman and after the first time we had our uh, phone meeting, he, sh he got on a plane the next day and flew from the one, one end of the country to Toronto to show up. And that was the catalyst that allowed us to have a trusting relationship because he was willing to put in the work to show up. And then, but that doesn't have to mean you hop on a plane or you travel or you do anything physical. Showing up can mean that you are available, that you actively will make the time for what matters in, in, to yourself, to the people around you. And I think only with doing that can you be consistent and only with that can you accept what is, right? Yeah. And so that's how they start to feed together in an interesting way. Fascinating. So let's go back to your sit down with your day one self, yep. all right? So you got some power over this young man and you can give him a question and you say, all right, this question, you got to ask yourself it every single day and you have to have an answer for it by the end of every day. And whatever question you give yourself, this version of yourself on day one, for the rest of his life, by the end of every single day, he will have created an answer to that question. What question do you give him? Because this is going to change his behavior. So you get to give your day one self one question and say, all right, make sure you have an answer for it by the end of every day. And he actually will. So this will have a big impact on how something he does every day. What would it be? Okay, so I'm going to take this in a bit of another direction. All right. Sitting here now. So when I think about the five things I just rhymed off and specifically trust, honesty, and loyalty, I think what I would have loved to ask myself on my first day of, of grade nine um, is at the end of every day, did you love yourself today? And I know that that statement has a lot of certain connotations with, with self-compassion and, and fulfillment and realization and all sorts of things. But well, that a 14 year old boy, it's got other ones. Yeah, for sure. I think there's, there's a lot there, but I, I, I think others in a positive way and so this is something that I do now where at the end of every day I sit down and I, I, I think long and hard I said okay based upon my behavior in the world today did I fulfill my own promise sometimes I kind of like this so this is me being a, a marketer for many years but sometimes I like to imagine that um, 
you know, that I'm a brand. This is going to sound really funny, but that I'm a brand. And, you know, doing branding and, and a lot of the work there is all about brand fulfillment and delivering brand promise. So put otherwise, I sometimes ask myself, did I deliver on the promise of myself today? Right? And to me, that means love. Okay. Okay. So if I'm delivering on the promise of myself or if I, if I love myself today, it just basically means that did I, did I, did I execute myself in the world in such a way that I'm, that I can honor myself and feel proud about the impact I had on myself and others. Um, and I think it's, it's a really honest thing to look at. And I mean, a lot of days it's no, you know, is the honest truth. And, and then other days it's like, yeah, absolutely. I did. And the goal with all this stuff is to be able to say yes more than no. And it's, you know, if you say no to that every day, then obviously you have to make some changes. And if you say yes every day, then the question probably isn't hard enough. But I've, I've never, you know, I've never even had a week where I've said yes every day. And I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. Well, here's, and I think that's tremendous. So did you love yourself today? Now, my work focuses on the idea that these questions very much should drive behavior. And not that I ever like saying there's a problem with that question, but I do think that there's a way it can get better because that question's a yes, no question. Yeah. And if you want questions to drive behavior, and this is really the point of the podcast, so we want to actually have people walking away being like, I want to make that question part of my life. So can you, can you change that question so that it's not a yes, no question, mm -hmm. so that it specifically demands an action? Like how would you change it? Ooh, yeah, I, I, I had a sense you're probably going to go this way. Um, I, think, I think you can do that for sure. And I think you could, you could either focus on the positive or the negative, or perhaps you see it otherwise too, where you could usually say something like, what, what was it that I did today where I loved myself in that moment? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Or alternatively, what was it that I did today that made me hate myself in a certain moment yeah. as well? Which is, a, you know, which is a far more difficult question, but a very important one. Do you really think so? Do you really think that what did I do in, today that made me hate myself is a more difficult question? Than... Actually, now that you say that, no. I'm going to take that back. Like, I, I can tell you right now, that question is way easier for well, me to, to Maybe answer. this is why I've been asking myself this question, right, about, about loving myself as myself for myself. Because I think that that is a, now you mentioned it, that's a way harder thing to do. It's, we have a, we're great at attacking ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy to, you know, we just have to give into the voice in our heads for a second and we hear all the nasty things about who we are. Um, but turning that on its head, I mean, that's, that's where the real value is. And this is in an effort, like when I started to ask myself this question, it was a little while ago and it was mostly because I realized um, that I was a total pessimist. Like for every area of my life, you know, I, I just had this very like, ah, like who cares, what's the point, blah, kind of attitude. And I realized that wasn't getting me any farther ahead. It wasn't making me happy. It wasn't making the people around me happy. So well, what was I going to do about it? And it turned out that all I had to do was focus on the good things every day and accept that some days there wouldn't be good things. Yeah. Well, you know why I, I say to change it to, I suggest people change questions from, you know, did I love myself today to what did I do to, today to demonstrate love for myself, mm -hmm. for instance, is because you can plan for that. Like, yep. otherwise what you're doing is you're looking, you're living your life and you're looking back. But if you, the question, you know, what you, the beginning of the day is, what have I done today to show I love myself? It's one of those things that one, you could plan for the answer because you know, you got to have the answer mm -hmm. or there are moments where you're like, okay, here's my chance. So it, it gives you both options. So it, I love that. You know, like, what have I done today to show love for myself today? Yep. So let me ask you this. How have you answered that question today? 
Um, today, I, I reconnected with someone that I haven't spoken to in a very long time and someone that is, for all intents and purposes, very important to me, but I knew I wasn't it was one that, you know, we all have those relationships where we're like, man, I really got to call that person. I really got to spend more time with that person because they are really important to me, but we just put it off for some reason. Yeah. I think that's a way of attacking ourselves as well because there's a bit of fear in our mind about why we're putting things off, oh, right? I never thought of that. Oh, yeah. I, I play with the fear in my own head all the time like that. Like, basically, anytime I put anything off, I attribute it to some kind of fear. We can get into this if you want. But so, so oh. today was a really simple example of calling up uh, actually two people that I haven't spoken to in months out of the blue and just simply saying, hey, how are you? And to me, that is honoring myself um, because that's those people are important to me. And on the flip side, we had great conversations and it was awesome to reconnect. So it can be something very simple like that. Um, I mean, I, th- I think as well, oh, I also worked out this morning, which is you know a very straightforward thing. Uh, I cleaned a little bit as well um, and Oh, I dealt with a, so as you know, Drew, I'm, I'm working on a book right now and I dealt with um, a very difficult section of it that I've been putting off. I know you're probably dealing with this as well yeah, in your own writing. Yeah. Like there's certain parts of it where it just gets like a little too real and a little too raw. So you, you delay it. So I set my alarm for 6 a.m. and I got up and I just dealt with it. And, it, you know, I did first thing in the morning before caffeine or anything else and just powered through it and accepted that the comments were the comments weren't even negative. It was just I, I all I had to do was spend more time in this one section of the book that is very uncomfortable to read because it's so vulnerable mm-hmm. and raw. Um, but getting through that and accepting it for what it was was again a sign that you know it was something that I could look back on later today and say, yeah, you know, I did that today because uh, as an act of self love, in a way, just being able to get through the bad stuff. Now, let's go, I love reverse engineering these sure. questions. So if the question is, what have I done today to show that I love myself? Mm-hmm. At its core, I think all of these questions, if you just gave, if you said that's the number one question you want to give yourself on day one, what you're really saying is that if you answer this question every day, you're going to live a value more effectively for the rest of your life. What do you think? Let's reverse engineer the question. What's the core value at the base of that question? What you're saying to yourself then is like this, this question will make sure you live up to something every day. Mm-hmm. What value do you think that is? Hmm. Hmm. I think it goes back to, I think it goes back to uh, what I said earlier in terms of brand. I think it's this idea of you delivering on the promise you've made to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what value that is, I think it, actually probably goes back to a sense of personal loyalty okay right i think it all feeds in together because i think i think it's about being consistent every day in in these attitudes and these things but there's more of a positive twist to it than that so maybe it's maybe it's actually okay oh this is where this is where it's all going to come together maybe it's actually not one value but three and i it may actually play into trust honesty and loyalty okay again just to recap so you know uh, honesty is accepting what is. Uh, trust is um, help me out here. <laughs> uh, anyway, it goes into the three of them. You got to go back and, and honesty is accepting what is. What is trust is showing up. Yes, yeah. trust is showing up. Yes, and and loyalty is consistency. Okay. Yeah. So I think, and that's that's what I think of when I think of self love. 
Uh, that's what I always have. And that's, that's why I talk, when you asked me the question about what I'd done today, it's about those three things, right? It's about doing things that honor myself and the things that I want to undertake and frankly, the person I want to be, right? And that's, that's yeah. the point. And now that you do, now that you made the, the point about the, the 14 year old that's asking himself how he loved himself in one day, um, I do realize how the question sounds, but I beg, oh. I beg, I beg the, beg the listeners for forgiveness. I think it's a really important question to ask. And I think it's something that we're very shy to ask ourselves. Well, the reason I ask it is that, you know, I love as part of my work is asking people, what are the values that they stand for? And they give the, you know, they give you the three in your case, you know, it's, it's trust, honesty, and loyalty. Yeah. But when we ask for, when we ask for that question, the one question they'd give themselves on day one, and then we reverse engineer it, it's, it's actually not very often that what you just did happens where the actual core values they get to are the three that they listed off the top. And so it's great to see there's actually a congruence there. But when I say to the people who are listening is like, ask yourself, okay, what question would I ask on day one? And then ask yourself, well, would it be consistent with the three values that I would have listed off as, as the primary ones that drive me? Because often there isn't there. But I really think that that question you'd ask yourself on day one reflects a core thing that you want to stand for on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really cool that it actually does tie right back to what you your concept is. And of course, that's what you've been doing for the better part of 18 months is, is picking that apart. Well, right? so. I think that's, I think that's probably why it lines up in the way it, it does. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've gone through an, a, re, a very bizarre period of self-reflection um, where I was able to write a lot of these wrongs. Cause I think if you asked me that question 18 months ago, I think I would have said something like, how did I make a difference today? Mm -hmm. Which is a perfectly fine question, but I don't know what that means. And I think for so long, I didn't know what that meant. And I think a question like that can be so big and overwhelming that all of a sudden the answer is just, there is no clear answer. And then what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Right. And then you just feel, and you're like, what did I really do to make a difference? What did I do to pay for it? What did I do to, to, to help someone else? I mean, that's, that's more of a precise question. That's, that's one way to ask it. But I, what I've learned after, you know, trying to, uh, navigate this whole minefield for so long is that if you don't ask yourself the hard questions first that you don't want to answer, mm -hmm. you'll never be able to impact anyone else in a meaningful way. It's weird you say that because I just glanced down at what I next wanted to ask you and it's, it's this, what's the toughest question you've ever been asked? Oh man. Whether by somebody else or by yourself. It's weird though because we're usually asked the toughest questions by other people. Like if someone said honestly, yeah, yeah. like I've probably been asked way harder questions by other people than by myself because you're in control of what questions yeah, you ask yourself. Yeah. You have no idea what someone's going to drop on you, right? I, I mean, I think it. I think it is. It's actually a very simple question. I think it's um, how how can we take more risks, or how can you take more risks, or how can I take more risks, or however you want to phrase it. But this idea of how do you actually take risk, um, and why I think that is such a difficult question is because it speaks into so much of who we are and so much of our worldviews and our values and our attitudes um, that it's it's really an impossible, like how, where would you even start? So I, how I got asked this question was doing a Q&A after the TED talk and it was a college teacher that asked me over video conference. Um, so they, they had a screen up in their room and you know she came up to the microphone and said, Jordan, you know, how would you do that? How, how can I teach? I think her exact question was, how, how can I teach my students to take more risks? And I was totally stumped and I told her I didn't know. 
I told, I asked that she emailed me so we could follow up, and it's something that I've thought about for months afterwards. Um, because anytime you talk about risk, we talk about fear, and when anytime that we talk about fear, we talk about our sense of self, our sense of self worth, our self actualization, how we love ourselves, um, how we honor ourselves, um, and I think so often is that we are terrified. Um, we're terrified of deviating from the path of what may of who we think we are, right? Um, and that is, and to me, that's where a lot of people get really stuck. And then of course you don't want to take, take any risks at all, because if you do, then you are exposing yourself to a huge amount of vulnerability. Um, and you can unpack it a number of other ways too. Huh, what do you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's such a challenge because I, I, um, what is a risk? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I right? think, you know, it's, uh. Because somebody said once, oh, you know, I, I took a risk and I went out and did this. And I was like, no, you didn't. Like, no no disrespect intended, but they were they were sort of like, there was no, I forget what it was. Oh, I, I um, like I, I, I like today I went out and did yoga for the second time. And it's awesome, by the way. It's way harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I took a risk and did yoga. And I really thought about it. And I was just like, no, I didn't. Because there's no possibility of loss. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing I could lose by doing that is like, oh, I can't do yoga. And I, I guess you can consider some loss of self-esteem a loss, but I've also tried. <laughs> I, I would be there with you as well, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I think I try to, I also try to look at it this way. Like if, once you accept the fact that you've got to suck at things to be good at anything, then it doesn't really hit your self-esteem when you try something and you're not good at it. Like when you're young, maybe every time you try something, you think you're going to be great. And so it messes with you when you don't. But I've kind of gotten to a point where I realized that, I'm going to be bad at a decent proportion of the things that I try. And so I started to realize that going out and trying yoga wasn't a risk. It was a new thing. Yeah. It, it took a it took a little bit of a leap, but it's not a risk if there's no possibility of loss. Yeah. Only then is it a risk. So how do you convince people to go out and do something where there's a possibility of loss? Like that fundamentally goes against an inbred evolutionary drive to not do like because any loss is conceived of as, as a threat right to yeah. life, life and limb so well it, it begs what it, you know it, it goes back to the idea of what the risk is that you're taking because i think what you've just described is an external risk which and there's there's many of them i mean i i have no hunger to go and skydive tomorrow because i perceive that as a profound external risk and likely I would freeze up and not pull the chute, right? Is that just me? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't leave it to you to pull the chute on your first go. Hopefully not. I, I, Hopefully it's remote controlled or I'll have a guy strapped to me or something. I, anyway, I'm not going to find out. That's the point because I'm terrified. Oh, come on. But you, the, the we much... should totally go skydiving. You <laughs> okay. and I are going skydiving and then we're doing this again. It's done, all right? We should record as we go down. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? I, have you ever, done a, you ever run a microphone through a high wind? I don't think people would enjoy it. <laughs> uh, but the harder risk is really the ones where we challenge ourselves um, in a way that's not external, right? And that's that's why I talk so much about the internal uh, understanding of the self is because I think that's the stuff that is actually way more scary to deal with. And that can mean emotional baggage, it can mean our behaviors today, it can mean um, the, the uh, sense of remorse and regret that we hold for the past, it can be areas of our lives where we haven't forgiven ourselves, it can be a bunch of different things. Um, but I think, I think the real risk um, the real risks that we should be taking more and more in our daily lives is how do we start to challenge some of those things within ourselves? Because I think that's that's where the area of personal growth really yeah. is. Well, I also think like to go back to that professor, you know, how would you 
how would you encourage people to take risks? Well, I think ultimately the number one way we can encourage other people to take risks is to do everything we can to not punish people when they do. Like I just realized if you're a professor, you're a teacher, like, well, how do I get my students to take risks? I'm like, stop punishing them when they do. Because uh, if you look through the education system, I, I've said this before, that you start with 100% and every mistake you make, you lose points. Yeah. If you wanted to encourage risk-taking, stop taking points away. Like start adding points on. Yeah. And like that's a very specific example. But if you're an educator or a person of influence in the world, if you're a leader in the world, if you want to encourage other people to take risks, don't punish them. Don't make fun of them. Don't – and uh, this is just on an individual level. Don't cause them loss. When they do, celebrate those who take risks mm-hmm. and celebrate the lit risks that aren't huge. And, and I think that that's what holds people from back from taking them is the perception of loss. If we stop making losses occur, and each one of us can play our role in doing that, I think that's when we're going to encourage other people. Yeah. And the problem is in the world of Facebook, we just revel in people's downfall, right? So, oh, for sure. And I think that social media is making it less and less likely people take risks unless they're trying to go viral with the possibility of <laughs> of their loss, right? Like, they, they shouldn't try to go viral. Um, yeah, I, I mean, of all guys <laughs> in the world to know that. Right? I, I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, this is an area where I've, I've taken so much away from being an entrepreneur for a number of years where the entrepreneurial community supports people as they take calculated risks. And more importantly, risks where they have, uh, where it's given them the evidence to know whether to continue on the same path um, or to pivot. And the fact that pivoting is a celebrated concept in the entrepreneurial industry is something that's amazing to me. You know, I had a company that pivoted five or six months ago. And it's led into Bound, the company we're building today. And we hit a wall. We hit a wall with the team. We ran out of money. We ran out of code. All sorts of things happened. And I had to sit down with our advisors and our investors and everyone and say, guys, this ain't working. And I was petrified, petrified that they were going to look at me and say, you're a failure. Right? And I psyched myself up for that conversation so much. Like, I, I, it's, it, it was awful. And instead, what did they do? They applauded the decision that we made. Because we made the decision that something wasn't going to work and there was a, a smart risk we could take to see if something else would. And imagine we treated ourselves like that. It'd be amazing. Let me, uh, let me close off by uh, asking you this one. Is there, you know, you and I live in the world of speakers now and uh, inevitably you go see a speaker, there's some quote up on the wall. There's some quote goes up on the slide. And uh, I've discovered that a lot of these uh, there's a little voice in my head that goes, that's a load of crap. And yet, <laughs> and yet it's repeated again and again and again. Like for instance, like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into it here, but no, it doesn't. Uh, not at all. No. <laughs> and, and, uh, or, or just so many of these different uh, life is short. I heard a great guy once tell me, I said, what, what do you hate in terms of mantras? He's like, life is not short. Life is the single longest thing you will ever do. So, Make good decisions because you got to live with them. But also realize that if you make a bad one, you have lots of time to fix it. Life is not short. Please stop telling people that. So let me ask you this. Is there a mantra out there? Is there a leadership quote? Is there something that's on a uh, on one of those motivational posters that when you see it, you go, hells no. I mean, I think most of them <laughs> in short. But no, there's one in particular that I often, you know, it, I just find it infuriating. And it is fake it until you make it. I think that is the single worst piece of advice anyone can ever give to anyone else because what it does, rather than 
shining a light on that a new per uh, that someone hasn't necessarily made it and that they are becoming which is part of the human experience per personally and professionally that we should give off this aura as though we have it all figured out and this goes back to the purpose conversation that we kicked off with right and i think we feel so much pressure today to pretend like we have it all figured out in every area of our life that makes us it impossible for us to put up our hands and say i don't know what the hell's going on and what I've realized, to much to my own <laughs> dismay, because I learned it far too late, but what I've realized, and I'm very grateful for it now, is that the second you say, you put up your hand and you say, I have no idea what's going on, I need help, everything changes, right? And it's amazing what happens the second that you are vulnerable enough with others and yourself, um, because people want to help. You know, People don't want to see you make the same mistakes that they made. They want to help you become. They want to help accelerate that process. There's no silver bullets that will automatically make you arrive, per se, but there are certain people that we all meet in life that help galvanize our ability to learn and grow very quickly and effectively. And so fake it till you make it, like it goes around all of that. And then you have a lot of people that have quote unquote made it, but they're still faking it. And that becomes this never ending thing. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that we have to tackle as leaders is how can we open up that conversation and frankly that vulnerability to be able to understand that there is a huge amount of the professional population that is totally faking it every day. And some of them, some people tell themselves that they're not faking it and others acknowledge it behind closed doors. But I can tell you, you know, the amount of people that have come to me and written to me saying, Jordan, I feel like a total fraud and I'm this super successful entrepreneur, or I'm this guy at Google, or I'm doing this or that. I think imposter syndrome is one of the, it's a huge challenge to our workforce and to us personally. So suffice to say, I think fake it till you make it is, is one of the worst pieces of advice, is, advice because at the end of the day, we just have to be more honest with ourselves and with others. Um, and I do encourage the listeners to really think deep about what honesty means to them. Because the second you look past its surface level meaning, you realize that it's so much more than just telling the truth and so much more about everything that lies beneath who you are, how you represent yourself, and how, you, frankly, you conduct yourself in the world. It's interesting, too, because you go back to one of your three cores, trust. Patrick Lencioni said that trust is effectively being open about your fears, shortcomings, and skill deficits. Sure. So that other people feel comfortable doing the same like that's what builds actual trust i like that so let me uh give me a couple of things as we close off okay. what's got you excited about the next few months tell us a little bit so if people want to find out more about you yep. more about what you're working on yep. uh, here's your chance to, to put them in the right direction <laughs> okay i'm working on a book uh called unpurpose uh tentatively we may change the title and it's uh, essentially debunking the the purpose, um, the movement, and the idea that we all have one single perfect purpose in our lives, and that we have to find that. And it's it's all about how do we find meaning every single day by letting go of this grand idea of who will become way in the distant future, and embrace the moment, and embrace who we are for what it is, or for who we who we are for what we are right <laughs> in the moment. So Jordan Exani, he says the the values that really drive him at its very base honesty, trust, and loyalty. And the question that could make sure that you're living those every day, what have I done today to acknowledge that I love myself? So this is the day one, first ever day one leadership podcast. If it was day one, you start with that question. What have I done today to show myself 
that I love myself. And then you're going li- to live honesty, loyalty, and trust. And things will unfold from there. See, he's a man who's gone through an awful lot. Thank you so much for, <laughs> no, for joining us. Or for the, I hope you heard the, uh, the, heard the handshake there over the, over the, the uh, microphone. It, so. it, was a, it, was a very firm, uh, it was a very firm handshake. It was good. <laughs> Thanks for being here for the first one, my good man. And, and uh, I can't wait to keep sharing ideas with you moving forward. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you having me. This is going to be, I got to say, as the first ever guest, I'm very excited to see where this goes. I think you're on to something here. Oh, thanks, my friend. I appreciate you being here so much. And that brings us to the end of the first ever Day One Leadership Podcast. My huge thanks to our guest, Jordan Aksani. And if you'd like to learn more about Jordan and his work, you can do so at his website. It's jordanaksani.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-A-X-A-N-I.com. I hope you've enjoyed my first ever swing at a podcast. I hope you stay with it as I continue to figure all of this out. Uh, If you've liked what you've heard so far, please tell your friends, share the podcast, and please rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to read and hear more about the values that drive leaders and strategies for living those values every day, check out dayoneleadership.com. That's D-A-Y. O-N-E, leadership.com. We've got a daily blog that shares a different value driving question every day. We've got my weekly video blog. There's a huge archive of leadership insights from people all over the world. And of course, there's going to be future episodes of this podcast. So make sure you subscribe for weekly updates every single week. Speaking of future episodes, come back next week to hear from a 95-year-old guru trapped in a 21-year-old's body when we chat with Count Me In founder and one of Canada's top 20 under 20, Shane Feldman. Here is a little bit of a preview of what you're going to hear from Shane. He, he tells me to, to look at him and say that I was hurt. And I was like, without a thought, I was open mouth to go and say it. And then I, this like nervous 12-year-old girl giggle came out of me and I don't know where it came from but it was something super deep inside myself that was very uncomfortable. Now I've never had a conversation with Shane where I didn't walk away feeling a little bit better about the world. I'm betting you're going to feel the same way. It's going to be an amazing episode. That's next week on the Day One Leadership Podcast. For now, thank you so much for listening. My name is Drew Dudley and I'll see you next week.